Player 2, this is Player 1, plugging in. Player 1 is initiating connection. Player 1 is online. Player 1, this is Player 2, plugging in. Player 2 is initiating connection. Player 2 is online. All players have successfully connected. You are now plugged into the Plug and Play podcast. Initiating startup sequence. Thanks for tuning in to episode 58 of the Plug and Play podcast. I am your host, Zach, and alongside me as always is Tim. Welcome, Minions. This is our PAX Prime Special Edition, Disc 2 of 2, and that means that we're bringing PAX Prime to a close officially on this episode of the Plug and Play podcast for 2015. Yes. So we have two more days to go over with you guys. This podcast might run a little long. So sit back, relax, and let's get into this. Yes. So what have you been up to this week, Tim? Um, kind of a normal week, which is hard after PAX. You just wanted to sleep for three weeks um, after it. Yep. But I didn't get to do that. I had to go back to my routine. I did because I was sick. Uh, um, I- I'm going to go right into the games I was playing a little bit. Okay. Um, I tried to play a really cool looking game called um, Until Dawn. Um, oh, I've heard so much cool stuff about that. Um, it looks amazing. Um, it is kind of, it's not full motion video, it's like motion tracking. So like, think Heavy Rain or um, The Last of Us style graphics. And it is kind of like Heavy Rain where you push uh, certain buttons to do actions and it's sort of a, almost like a, a movie that you have inputs on. Um, but there is some parts where you control. <laughs> And it looks really cool, and one of my favorite character actors was introducing it, and I did a little quick um, video of that you can find on our YouTube channel. Um, but um, I only got 20 minutes to the game, and I got some error messages about no! yeah, about needing to update uh, something or other. And it wasn't just an update. It was like I have the screenshot somewhere, but I'm not going to look it up. But it said it was going to take 20 minutes, and four hours later, the message was still up. I... Um, looked online and no one else would be having the problem. And if you remember a couple episodes back, um, I had a corrupt save file from the beginning with rocket or not rocket, um, with galaxy. And I'm just, nothing's wrong with rocket league. Don't you dare try talking about it. Like that. <laughs> That's stupid game. Rocket league. Um, but anyway, from two brand new games I'm having issues with, and I'm starting to think that it's not these game companies. I'm starting to think it's my PS4. I have, um, That's right. Join the master race. Well, I couldn't play Until Dawn on the Master Race. It's a PS4 exclusive, so Shut your, face. your argument isn't valid. Um, Shut your face. Anyway, I think it's my PS4, and it's one of two things. I really hope it's not that I got a launch PS4 and there's just something buggy with it. I'm hoping that I got like kind of a sort of bad hard drive with maybe some bad sectors or something, and that game saves like on those sectors are just failing, or the update files or whatever. So I'm kind of running out of room anyway. I'm at 400 and something gigs out of 500 gigs um, because every game saves a big chunk onto the hard drive. So after about 10 games, you're pretty much full. So I'm going to get um, 
I'm only going to upgrade to a one terabyte, um, but I think that should be enough if I juggle stuff. And I'm getting a hybrid drive, um, so it'll hopefully speed things up. And it's also 7200 instead of 5400. Nice. And that will be coming the next couple of days. And I might take some pictures and make a short article about how to swap out your hard drive for other PS4 owners. Um, there are other guides out there, but I'll, that'd be awesome. I, man. I might do it my own, um, trying to make it simple and um, straightforward. Um, so yeah, I, what I played up until dawn was awesome, but didn't get to play very much. Gotcha. And then um, I got a game actually from uh, Q on Bun Smashers. He sent me a code um, for I want to say Dust. No. That sounds about no. Dust Force. Yeah, Dust Force. I was gonna say it sounds really close. So it's, to right. it's kind of like a running and jumping platformer, and it's uh, really responsive. But um, it is controlled by a keyboard, and as you know, I suck at keyboard. But I look at this as a good thing. This will force me to hopefully get acquainted a little bit more with the keyboard so I can play other PC games, and it looks really fun. Yeah! I just uh, I kind of suck at it so far, but I'm going to keep trying, and thank you, Q, for the game, and those are the two games I've been playing this week. And what have you been up to this week? Are- so I've been... I came down to Paxbox, mm. and let me tell you, the Paxbox socks... And, uh, yeah, so I've been down and out. So if you guys hear me coughing this episode, I'm really sorry. I'm just super congested and just trying to, uh, break it up and work its way out. So, um, other than that, I, uh, thanks to Tiny Build, our Friday Night Game Night, uh, developer sponsor person, um, who's helped us out a ton getting speedrunners going, gave me Party Hard. So I tried out YouTube Gaming this week underneath uh the plug and play name and so if you guys head over to youtube and check out our channel you guys will see a two hour and some odd length video of me playing party hard i basically have two more levels or three more levels and the game's beat that game has an amazing storyline tim Hmm. like it's really really cool i didn't like know that it would actually have a story it just looked like uh i know right i didn't think it would either and like it starts off and it's like you're being in, you're being interrogated almost by like a detective of some kind, and you're like recounting the story, mm-hmm. and you're like an ex police officer, I want to say, mm-hmm. that was on the job the, these nights or something. Right. And I'm not gonna go into any more spoilers because like there's a huge storyline actually involved in it. That's cool. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. I'll have, I have an extra key. I'll have to give you one. Oh, I've got one. Do you? I do. Oh, nice. You got to play, dude. This game is awesome. So, like, it's really fun and actually quite simple. I usually is beating, like, every level around 8 to 10 minutes. Have you played um, Hotline Miami? I have not. But that game reminds me a lot of it, but it's different. Okay. But um, similar, you run around killing people. Okay. Oh, that's cool. There's uh, a story as well. Yeah, it's a really good story. And now when I say, like, 8 to 10 minutes, that's, like, when I finally completed it. Mm-hmm. Some of them, like, I died and got arrested quite a bit. Right. And it takes a while to figure out, like, how you don't get arrested and stuff like that. But I just cannot beat like this third to final level at all. There's like no hiding spots. Mm. And I'm just like, fuck. So I've been doing that. I played some Rocket League with my buddy Troy again. And uh, that was pretty fun. And then I tried a game called Dead in Bermuda. And uh, it looked really fun. The trailer of it was amazing. I'm sure the game is a blast. But there's just way too much reading. So where they skimped on paying voice actors has really hurt them in my perspective because I couldn't spend more than like 40 minutes in it because it was just pure text reading. What type, what type um, of game is it? Uh, it's kind of like a survival-esque 
kind of reminds me of like a Telltale almost. I kind of relate everything back to a Telltale nowadays, though. It's almost like a Walking Dead, like you land down, you have a bunch of survivors, and you are kind of making decisions on what they're going to do to either help out around camp or you got to keep track of like their hydration, their food. You got to keep track of. So it's almost like an RPG thing as well. It's a, it's a fun game. Other than the fact that you have to read everything and all these characters interact with each other, like every like five minutes or less than that, probably like every two minutes and it's a ton of text that you're just reading through where they just could have had voice actors and it could have been way more cin- cinematic almost in a way. So instead of like reading, click, reading, click, reading, click. So it kind of slows, um, slows things down a lot. It does. And it gets really annoying where you're reading everything. So, but that's okay. But uh, other than that, <clears throat> with being sick, I've got a chance to. Let's catch up on the Button Smashers podcast. And I kind of, in like a sickened rage, like headache, like just infused days trance thing. Under like a fever state. Yeah, like, like a fever state, like outer body, body experience. Mm-hmm. I like kind of thought that they call people beautiful way too much in that podcast. Beautiful people. The, yeah, Welcome like all you beautiful, beautiful people. Yeah, like all the beautiful people and stuff. So it kind of got me thinking, if I was a co-host on that podcast, and even if I wasn't, I've been doing, I I redesigned the website's logo, Mm -hmm. and then I redid the the, uh, website's watermark image for the website as well. So I thought in my heat stroke ridden days and ways from Pox or Pax Pox, I would uh, make them a new theme song. Oh, perfect. So let me show th- share this with you guys. I'm just imagining you going, hello, people. How are you, Roger? <laughs> Roger's headbanging right now. Exactly. So yeah, that right there should be the new Button Smashers podcast theme song, and I'm pretty sure they're going to start using it now, because everything I do for Button Smashers they use, because it's awesome. You're welcome, Cute Roger. You're welcome, Cute Roger. That's from Plug and Play to you guys. You're welcome, and you guys can just, don't worry about signing a check or anything. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's free. Free <laughs> of charge. signing a check to anyone is to Mr. Maryland. No, don't, don't, no. 
I didn't I didn't copyright that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I came with that. That's all original. Oh wow. Wow. You yeah, really were you really original. were in a fever state if you belted that out. Exactly. We like so. banging on your rock band instruments and that's Yeah. Awesome. Rock band and I even got the guitar hero out for a little bit because I was like, man, I really need to be a hero with this guitar. So oh, Yep. Man, I, so I anyways. That. Yeah, we should. We should definitely maybe uh monetize nice. it. Yep. So Anyways, guys, you guys didn't come here to talk about uh, Q and Roger's new awesome theme song. You guys came here to listen about the PAX coverage. But first, last week we had a question. We asked you, do you care about Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain? And no one replied, so I'm guessing, nope, you do not care about Metal Gear Solid Phantom Pain. <laughs> so, no, uh, zero fucks given. Join us on not being the hype, on the hype train for that game. Yeah. Uh, I, Get on the PAX Pox train. <laughs> Yeah, wash your hands. Yep. Well, should we get into it? Yeah. So, last week, you guys, we covered uh, Friday and Saturday of PAX. This week, we're going to be covering Sunday and Monday. So, why don't you kick sure. us off, Tim? Sunday, we headed over to um, Hob. Now, we hadn't seen much about Hob um, before the show. We saw a tiny teaser trailer, which just showed kind of like coming out from a tunnel and seeing this wide open green world. And we walked by the booth once before appointment, and it looks really cool. There's lots of stones and columns. Um, this little kind of robot rabbit-looking creature. Um, so I was very intrigued going in. Um, I'd heard, I can't remember, some message board or something, comparing it to Zelda, but it didn't really look like Zelda. Um, that's what got that's me what there. <laughs> Zach initially... Tim's like, hey, you should come with this uh, this re- de- this developer by Runic Games. I was like, it, is it an indie game? And he's like... Yeah, but it's like Zelda. I was like, all right, I'm in. So there was definitely Zelda um, influences for for sure. Like, for instance, there's grass, and you can cut it with cut the grass, and you get little apples for instead of hearts. Um, So that was definitely there. I also got a vibe from the uh, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus games, just where there's like this landscape of ruins. Like you could tell there's some history in this land. You're not sure what. and you get the sense in Hob that this will gradually be revealed throughout the game. Because at one point, I guess I'm just going to start getting into what we saw. Um, you're kind of climbing over what looks like the corpse of a giant. Um, like his head and his arm. Um, and w- Tim crawled inside his hand and I was like, he's going to squish you like a he bug. He could have if he was alive. But he looked way dead. He looked crumbly and old. That's what you think. Um, but yeah, there's all these stones that are, are obviously not just... Uh, natural they're they've been sculpted and they look weathered and old like they've been there forever um there's some puzzles where you you know put in a key or push a block and they'll rotate and then suddenly a column will lift up and a whole new area will be open to you um so the landscape's really shifting a lot and there's a lot of verticality it's not just flat it's a third person so you're kind of over the shoulder of this character yeah and but you'll go through the same area twice but in a different way you'll You'll be going up above where you were before on columns and unlocking new areas. And you have like a mechanical claw on, on your offhand, not your sword hand. And it gets upgrades. Like while we were playing the demo, we got like an electric, um, uh, what do you want to call it, a grappling hook. Um, yeah. Which gave us even more abilities to get places. But it was just really cool. It's hard to describe. The landscape is a big part of this game. It just it feels ancient. It feels like there's secrets. Um, there's, I don't think there's any dialogue, um, and there's no menus on the screen, 
there was a tiny little tutorial that popped up for one second to like show you how to jump or whatever, and then it went away. Um, the game just really wants to show you this beautiful world, and at some parts, like it was cool if you'd come to a natural like viewing point, like the edge of a cliff, and the game would kind of pan out and let you see the whole um, horizon. It was really neat. But I should probably let the um, developers talk more about their games. I've been talking for a little bit longer now. <laughs> All right. All right, so we are here at PAX Prime 2015, and we're going to be getting a hands-on with Hob. We're joined by Marsh and Wonder, um, who are going to explain the game to us and kind of what we are doing here. So, yeah. the, uh, so Hob's our new game. Um, it's a, it's a, quite a departure from Torchlight 1 and Torchlight 2. Uh-huh. Uh, it's still uh, RPG. We okay. all love RPGs. Yeah. But what you're playing today is a it's a streamlined playthrough for packs, but it is part of the world. So the world is an actual open world. And so you'll be able to go all over, unlock new areas. And the game will, when you're thrown into the game, there's no NPCs, there's no dialogue. You're just swapped in. Okay. You have no idea how to play, no idea what to do, and you basically have to learn my plane. And by the end, there's a rich story and an interesting world that is lush and alive and moves when you move and reacts to every all your steps. And But at the same time, it has this very mechanical core to it. And things move in weird ways and weird things are going on. And... And in some ways, we took a lot of uh, inspiration from... Got these moments that happen. Yeah. A few different games. Definitely bring up, like, uh, you know, the the aloneliness of Ico, Sashiko, and Child of Colossus. You know, this game isn't like those, but it's yeah. the, the lonesomeness of it all. And just the isolation. Um, and then what we tried to layer on top of it was a really, really fun mechanic to run around and fight and... Uh, climb and jump and to just have a blast exploring the world and yeah we're pretty excited about it there's uh, some pretty unique mechanics that we have come up with <coughs> that we're kind of hinting at here but in the future it'll be pretty exciting to show people what we're going to do with it i think people are going to be kind of blown away so are you guys on early access then currently, or is this still in development, or it's where? development. Okay. Yeah, we just announced about two weeks ago. So, okay. Um, it's been really like, So this is your guys' first like, showing of Hobbit. Right, first time the public seen it. Okay. And getting a lot of really great feedback. Yeah, people, uh, it's strange, because you know, it's, it's such a different game, um, that a lot of people can make parallels, but there really is no parallel to it. No. And... You, you just kind of have to play it, but it's fun to play, and it's this fun experience, and people, we didn't know what people would really think, and so far, I mean, people have been just loving it, Yeah. and I mean, yesterday we had people waiting in line for like two hours, and we'd like walk up, and you're like, it's like a two-hour wait, you might want to like come back, and like, it's okay, and it's just been crazy, and the response has just been nuts. That's awesome. Yeah, we're very, very happy. Well, uh, how'd you guys come up with the art style? I know Torchlight too. I uh, we play that quite a bit in our uh, community that we are building. Um, so I can see some artistic elements kind of from that. But uh, where did you guys get the inspiration for this artistic style for this game? I will say that um, we don't. There's certain times when you go for realistic games and sometimes you don't win. But in general, we're a company that doesn't really do realistic games. Yeah. We, we like 
it's a game, but we like to be immersed in this different kind of world. And, yeah, even though it might be colorful and like painterly and moves, we still like our blood and gore. Yes. And mighty. One thing that we did really well, I thought, in Torchlight, Torchlight 2, was the, the feel, the, the, you're just pounding something into the ground. Yeah. And so we wanted to carry that over. Like, we like that. We like we liked that whole feeling of just combat. And I forgot how I started that conversation because you started fighting a monster and I kind of got side That'll, yeah, that'll just take you back to the beginning. But the idea is that the world kind of wraps around on itself a lot. Okay. And as you play through, at the very beginning, you'll notice that he pushed a block in, and it kind of transformed. And that's kind of the meta game. And, and the world is broken, and you, you start transforming it slowly and bigger and bigger. But we then take that to the nth degree. And Would you say you're trying to repair the world yeah, um, that you're putting in then? Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have any idea of when people could be expecting this out on Steam Early Access, roughly? Like, 2016, would that be, like, a good general ballpark for... You know, we don't really want to have any kind of date right now. Okay. Um, we'll definitely be giving more hints to people in um, the future. Okay. We'll get more videos out there. Right now, we're just really trying to show people this fun world and make people interested in it and want to keep going and explore and ask, start to ask questions. A lot of people have been asking questions yeah. and we're just like, no, we can't tell you. It, you'll, you're going to have to play through because, again, there's no NPCs, there's no dialogue and our hope is that, you know, you'll people will play through and at the very end it'll just be like, whoa, oh my god, like, okay, i got to play through that again. i got to see, like, all the clues and my write about how, what just happened and so we're pretty excited and this world looks massive even though it's just a demo for us to be playing, but it I mean, Tim's been all around. I mean, we've only covered back one place one time. Um, yeah, you, um, so it's, again, it's pretty streamlined. We locked up areas at the very beginning. You saw that little area that you looked out. You eventually be able to go over there. Yeah. Um, the, I would say this is a pretty small part of the world. One of the things that we're really trying to do with the world as well is make it very dense. And a lot of open world games can't be very dense. And uh, you'll notice that in a lot of the scenes here, especially in the vistas, it's very, very dense. And um, with just different art, just on trees and grass, it's just, there's stuff out there that makes it really interesting. You'll also notice as he's running around, uh, flowers are blooming around him, and it's all, again, it's all just, the world is alive, and it needs to react to the player, and there's reasons for it, and anyways, it's definitely a different type. There's a lot of a lot of polish that we put into it to that matters in the overall game as well. A lot of verticality that we didn't have in the Torchlight games has really changed the way we design levels and the gameplay. Yeah, those are our around. respawns, so you die. And this is not this the way. beginning of the... No. Oh, yeah. It's all right. Oh, and to go get the other pickup? Yeah, that's okay. You can. Um, the beginning of the game will drop you in. Like, you, we've already set you up with, like, this big glove arm and uh -huh. the sword and shield. But uh, that's because we want we have to drop players right in and, and start, you know, getting into it. But, yeah. Uh, but... With the beginning of the game, you won't have 
Okay, certainly. So you will be acquiring items um, and things to help you along your journey as you yep. go then? Exactly. Upgrades. Okay. Yeah, that change the way you can get around the world and interact with the world. Okay. Awesome. Is there anything else you guys want to say about the game before we uh, stop the recording and I take over playing because this looks amazing? <laughs> you know, the I will say the one thing that we have all we have this core idea of like, and you're you guys are actually almost to this idea. And I think you'll see it when it happens, but I mean, there's no way you won't see it. But the thing about it is, and that I feel pretty happy about is, no matter what ideas you have or motivations you're trying to show in a game. It's not fun to run around and hit things and to do just the fun things that you have to do. It's a fail, no matter how good of an idea you have. And I really hope people enjoy just running around, hitting things, and just experiencing the world. And it seems like it. So, and I hope when you guys get done playing, you feel that way too. It yeah. should be one of the things we spend a lot of time in is just trying to make the control just second nature to a lot of people. Yeah, I there's been a couple prompts for the rolls and blocks that I knew what to do. I love the verticality of the game, like you were saying. Yeah, the verticality is amazing. Um, I've explored some It's like rooms. sometimes you won't even know that the path is above you. Yeah. yeah. Well, and in a lot of games, you don't actually physically climb this much. Like, it's not built into the game, you know? Like, you might have a right. ladder or something, but you're not actually needing to do it to change the surroundings around you. Yeah, the, it's a little so, bit of a puzzle, by the way. Right. Yeah, a little bit. Um, that is, yeah, the, to the nth degree. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say is eventually what we'll take this to. Awesome. Well, thanks for sitting down and talking to us, guys. Yeah. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, that was a game. It sounds like it's still being developed, but I'm really looking forward to when Hob comes out. Yeah, that game's going to be awesome. So I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on it and uh, checking out the sea exactly. Try to like learn the story, mm-hmm. you know, of it. So and it's going to be the opposite of that game you were talking about, uh, Dead in Bermuda. It's not going to be a bunch of text. It's going to let the, the story come through with what happens in the game, like the, the visuals, which is really cool. Yep. So um, I got to check out a Wii U exclusive called Runbow. Um, it's a up to nine player <coughs> running speedrunner. <coughs> you should check that cough. Um, it's a up to nine player um, running combat game featuring a lot of uh, Nintendo independent characters um, like uh, Guacamelee or uh, Rock. Not Rocket Knight. Keep saying that. Sh- Shovel Knight. Um, oh. So formerly known as Rocket. So yeah. Um, the thing that makes this unique. There are other running combat games. I think your cough might have suggested one of them. Um, but what makes this one kind of unique besides the characters is um, there's this color mode. So when like all of the purple um, what do you call them? Platforms. Um, a wave of purple will go through the screen and all the purple ones will disappear. So you'll be jumping up to a platform and it won't be there and you'll die. Um, that yeah. sucks. But it goes for all the colors and I think it's tied to your character. Or I, I'm, I was sort of confused. I died a lot. Um, I died, I died a lot. lot. There are six game modes too. There's um, King of the Hill, Arena, Run, um, Color Master, and there's two adventure or co-op adventure modes called Adventure and Bohemoth. Um, nine nine player local player is pretty cool. Um, like I said, it's a Wii U exclusive, so if you happen to have nine <laughs> or eight Wii U remotes and the tablet, you could play with a bunch of friends. It's coming out um, the 27th, so it's out now. 
That sounds expensive. Yeah, it's a lot of Wii U. But, I mean, if everybody brings two, I mean, a lot of people still have Wiis at home. Just dig them out of the closet, put new batteries in them. Um, it was a lot of fun for a $15 game. Like, it could be a good party game. I could see a lot of people having fun with it. It's very colorful. Um, you do die a lot, so it's funny. So, yeah, that was Runbow. Sweet. So, what did you see? Well, I got stood up on my next appointment. So, uh, I was supposed to be seeing a... Uh, I'm not going to name them because that's bad. But uh, I got I'm supposed to be seeing a customizable gaming mm-hmm. mouse. Um that had all 3D printed parts, and if you wanted to be playing an FPS game, you could interchange out pieces and make your mouse an FPS mouse. If you're going to be playing an MMO, you could click out the FPS pieces and pop in MMO pieces, um, and there was different weight distribution pieces that click onto the bottom and a bunch of other stuff. It's supposed to be really cool. Um, I don't fully blame him or the developer, though, because his PR company... From what I learned at, uh, from what I learned from the booth I was supposed to meet them at, uh, said that they never gave him a list. They only gave him a list of the names of people he's supposed to be meeting, not who they were even from, just their names. And he had displays up in like twelve different booths throughout packs, mm-hmm. and they didn't tell him which booth <laughs> he was supposed to be in. Just told him what time and the name of the That's person. Terrible. So I sat there for like an hour trying to wait for this guy and finally had to leave because we had a different appointment. Yes, we did. We- so we headed over to my one of my favorite developers, mm-hmm. Telltale, and we got to check out their Minecraft story mode. Let's talk about the booth first. That was awesome. Their booth was awesome. It was 100% Minecraft, 8-bit style. The, the doorknobs were square. The doorknobs were yeah, square. Like, like pixelated bookshelves and like pixelated fire. It was Their wooden fence around their booth was it square. It was awesome. It was really cool. Pixelated fireplace. Actually, I think they even mm-hmm. moved, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. And then they had uh, pixelated jars on the mm-hmm. inside. Um, the things that held the TVs and the consoles up were all pixelated. I mean, everything was Minecraft to the max. It was an amazing... Uh, looking booth probably by far the most like awesome booth at pax um and there's actually gonna be photos of it up on the podcast page and you can find them over at the buttonsmashers.com when our pax wrap-up article goes up it'll have all the images from pax in there so um but i got to sit down afterwards and talk to a developer and talk a little bit about the game before tim and i talk about our experience i'm gonna go over this with him and you guys can hear my interview with him. All right, we're back here on the PAX showroom floor again, and we are over at the Telltale uh, booth, uh, Minecraft Story Mode, and I'm uh, with Dennis. And Dennis is going to tell us a little bit about himself, what he does here at Telltale, and then we're going to jump right into your guys' new game that's up and coming. Sweet. So, uh, yeah, my name is Dennis. I'm a creative director on Minecraft Story Mode for Telltale Games. Uh, the basic idea was, it sounds really weird at first, when we wanted to take this open-world sandbox game and then put, like, a tightly crafted narrative inside that. Yeah. Um, and for us, it was it was an interesting opportunity because we've done so many games recently, like Game of Thrones and Walking Dead and Borderlands that are a lot more violent, kind of like for older audiences. Exactly. And they're super fun and we love making them. But for a long time, we've really been excited about getting back and doing something that was kind of like the films we grew up loving, like, you know, Goonies and Ghostbusters yeah. and sort of like 
like 80s influence stuff. More um, kid appropriate. Exactly. Younger it's, it's adult, more appropriate. like an all ages thing. It's yeah. Like, I can still watch Goonies and Ghostbusters now. And they're just <laughs> exactly. as awesome as they were when yep. I was young. And so uh, the idea to try and tell one of those stories was something we'd want to do for a while. And Minecraft seemed like a really good license to kind of help bridge that gap. It's like kids are really excited about it. Yep. And then we tell a story that's appealing to adults and kids and can have them playing together. Seemed like a really fun opportunity. Because yeah. uh, a lot of people actually have told us they played our other games with their kids, like Game of Thrones yeah. and stuff like that. And it's like, and you're like, yeah, that's cool. Like the intention's there, but we yeah. should give you something that would be better for that. Exactly. Um, so when you're going into Minecraft, uh, kind of like the Tales from Borderlands, I wasn't a big Telltale fan, or not Telltale, uh, Borderlands fan. Um, but when you guys brought that one in, now I'm in love with the game. So this is kind of, you guys are kind of in a weird predicament where you guys can pull in people that love your guys' style of games and make them love a franchise that they may not have ever been introduced to before. Totally, yeah. So, and that's what's actually really been, been great about this PAX booth, is like getting people who uh, are standing in line because they're Telltale fans and they've yeah. loved everything we've done, and a lot of them, weirdly enough, we actually kind of surprised, like, don't really know much about Minecraft. I know, know nothing about it. Totally, right? Yeah. So, it's, so it's fun watching them kind of, like, get into the world and yeah. like, see, uh, especially, like, just watching someone craft for the first time. Yeah. It's a really weird experience. It took me about, like, four minutes. I was, like, yeah. just setting them on there, and finally I realized when I was pulling up the uh, recipe, I was yeah. like, all right, they're laid out in a certain way. I got to lay it out in a certain way. <laughs> awesome. My colleague was already done with the game. He's, like, looking at me, like, come on. And I was like, all right, just give me a second. I'll get this. So no, it's fun and it's like it's uh, there's like little little elements like that throughout the game that are like that, that hardcore Minecraft players are familiar with, but we try to do it in a way where someone who hasn't played before but is just interested in the story, yeah, you know, can get through it. So it's cool. That's yeah. awesome. So now we got a little bit of a sneak peek um, at your guys' story, uh, what you guys are gonna be basing it around. There were a couple characters in the beginning, um, and there was a character selection screen. Can you speak yeah. on if that each one of those characters is going to have a different take on stuff, or is um, it going to matter what original character you choose? You had six characters. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, it's mostly uh, more of like an appearance kind of character okay. you know, thing, and, and obviously we have, with the female and, and male choices, exactly, yep. um, the, uh, the female voice is voiced by Kat Tabor, who's in like Clone Wars and things, and uh, the male voice is Pat Oswalt, you know, Ratatouille, yeah. obviously a great comedian. Um, and so, so you definitely get a different vibe and different flavor from, from okay. each one, which is actually really interesting, especially when you have situations where uh, there's like, you know, um, uh, say like if you play as Pat Oswalt, then you have your relationship, like just a, a best buddy, the yeah. female feels different than when it's like and the, the male. female protagonist, you know, with a female best friend. And it's like, it, it actually is a, a weird kind of cool coloring to the story. Okay, cool. And um, is it going to be like Tales from the Borderlands where you're playing different people or do you just play that one person the whole time? We uh, saw four people when we started, I think it was. Sure. Um, you do play as Jesse, so the, okay. it's, a, Throughout it's the whole his thing. story or her story, depending yeah. on how you choose. But yeah, and then you have your, your group of friends uh, who come along with you for this cool kind of 80s inspired adventure. Yeah. Um, 
Do you guys have a rough idea on release date for episode one? Or uh, it's coming this fall, so it's it's coming along pretty soon. Okay. Um, but we haven't announced the official release date yet. Okay. Is there anything else you want to let the listeners know about uh, before we get out of here and I'll let you get back to your guys' crazy hectic mood? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean actually what you were saying uh, makes a lot of sense of you know people who might not necessarily be familiar with Minecraft but have heard of Telltale games yeah. and kind of wanted to try. It's a good introductory for someone it is. who's kind of who's like you know has heard of Minecraft a bunch but maybe hasn't played and yeah. uh, it should be like a pretty fun story. Yeah. It. Um, there's another thing I was noticing actually. Um, I'm huge in your guys' tales from Borderlands and Game of Thrones and the Walking Dead series. Um, and it seems like the decisions and the left, right sure. on the joystick is really fast-paced on those. And I kind of just sat back and just kind of let it do its thing a little bit. And it seems like I had a lot more reaction time. Yeah. Did you guys do that intentionally for the younger audiences and stuff? Totally, yeah. Okay. It's, 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 you know, with... Um something like Game of Thrones a lot of times you have like it fe- what should feel like a split second to make some yeah. crazy decision and someone's gonna you know get mutilated if you do the exactly. wrong thing it's like this game is we still want you to make choices that you're gonna have to live with the results of but yeah the idea was to make it a little less like horrifying as okay. you're doing it and more of just and more like thought provoking yeah guess. okay yeah. sounds good just wanted to make sure because Austin I, was, yeah. I started noticing that I started doing it really quickly and I was like why the bar's not even like three quarters of the way down I'm gonna sit back and just yeah. see how long See if it goes faster, or, but it seemed like you had a nice fluid. You could actually read through all the options, weigh it a little bit if you could think quick enough, and then make your decision based off of that. Totally. So, yep. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking time out of your day to sit down with us. Right on. All right. Thank you, Dennis. Fun. Cool. Enjoy the pack show. Enjoy the pack show. Enjoy the pack show. So that was awesome sitting down with him, man. Uh, I just love the guys over at Telltales. Laura over at Telltales, she's amazing. Um, I've worked with her multiple times on uh, The Walking Dead and Game of Thrones and Tales from Borderlands. They're just an amazing team over there, and they're so fun to sit down and talk with, and uh, they're awesome people. But I didn't really get into the story with him because I wanted to talk about it with What's you. That? The The, the oh, Minecraft yeah, yeah. story. So... Like, when we actually were playing, um, I know you bought your kids Minecraft. Um, so, it was kind of interesting. When you started, when we started off the mm-hmm. demo, we were Jesse, and I picked a male. I don't know I what you picked. Well. Yeah, did you pick a black male, white male? I just went the default choice. I didn't actually customize at all, which I think I think was okay. a white male. Yep. And uh, so then we, like, chased after mm-hmm. a pig. <laughs> Which, yeah, which is awesome. And we found his burning carcass, <laughs> which we thought was his carcass. Which is but his it costume. wasn't. Don't worry. The, it's just spoilers. his costume. Spoilers. And then uh, more spoilers. Uh, after we found the pig, this, like, huge gap thing, like, opened up mm-hmm. in the sky. And, like, started sucking things up into the sky. That was amazing. Now, we did have to make a choice on who lived or who disappeared. Who did you save? The 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 like sheriff looking dude or the female that you were with? I chose the female because I figured the sheriff looking dude could take care of himself. He had all these powers and stuff. I did that too. Um, yeah. So, cool. cool. I was really excited about it. I'm really excited for that game to Which come out. I'm sad to say that I'm excited for you're Minecraft. Like, Minecraft is for stupid babies. Minecraft is for stupid babies. Telltale Minecraft story mode is for awesome <laughs> adults. But it's cool so, that there's finally a Telltale game um, recently that kids can play. There hasn't. They've exactly. done some in the past. Like I think Back to the Future would be okay for kids to play and Treasure Treasure yeah. Island. But 
it's been a long time. They've been doing things like Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, which if you're, if you're a parent letting your kid play Game of Thrones, what is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is one that you can enjoy with the whole family. Um, great story, yeah. characters, good humor. Yeah, it was really funny. I found myself laughing a couple of times, and uh, just the beauty of the scenery is just awesome. Yep. So, um, even though it's eight bit, okay. it uh, it looks really good. Yeah, it's really colorful. So, um, so yeah, that was Telltale's Minecraft Story Mode, guys. And then after that, Tim went and did something. I checked out Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, which wins for the weirdest uh, name, pretty much for this day. Although there are some other great names throughout the conference. Um, so lovers in a dangerous space time, it's very neon colored, very bright colors. Um, you're in this round spaceship and you have different stations on different sides of the spaceships. Like one, like in the upper right hand, there'll be a turret or lower left will be a shield generation station. And it's a two player game. Um, you can play single player and there's like an AI pet that will do the other part, but it's really meant to be a two player, um, cooperative game. And you're basically flying through space and you're in your pink spaceship and everything's attacking you and you have to fight them off. But you can't just like push A and fire your guns. You have to run over to the right station. Like if you're being attacked on the right, you have to go over to that turret and operate it from there. So it's always like running around and be like, Zach, Zach, quick, run to the left. We're getting hit from down below. So it's always frantic. Um, you can upgrade your weapons. There's like, I think, 12 different weapons, something like that. Um, there's flails. Um, like a giant space flail, there's homing missiles, there's all sorts of stuff. You uh, rescue space bunnies um, to get upgrades for your ship, and there's a bunch of stages, and it's out for PC and um, Xbox One, I think this month, very soon. But it looks like a lot of fun, and unfortunately, I, didn't, I was trying to get Zach over to play it with me, but um, we just ran out of time. But it looks really cool. Yeah. Did you see anything else before we went to the uh, Indies Expo? I, I didn't, but you had audio for I did. I uh, about Lovers that. and Dangerous. Yeah, you want to roll that? Hi, guys, and we're here with Jamie from Asteroid Base, and he's going to tell us about... Um, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time. Yes, <laughs> it's a mouthful, yeah. I get the first word, and I get lost. Um, um, yeah. So uh, I heard it described to me as manning the turrets of the Millennium Falcon. Is that... That's Yeah, that's like kind of our main inspiration um, for the concept of the game was... Was this like, you know, you're you're surrounded, and what do you do? You gotta go up and down these ladders, run around, um, and kind of deal with deal with everything that's coming at you. Um, so what you have is you have uh, different stations. Uh, there's like shields, uh, turrets, engines, and uh, you're just the, the 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 crew of this ship. So you gotta run around to the different stations to be able to navigate through the, the each of the levels, and uh, you're rescuing space bunnies as you go, um, and they unlock. They unlock new upgrades for the ship, and they unlock your progress through the different levels. Awesome. And um, is it a two-player game? Is so it's player? a yeah, it's a one and two-player co-op game. So the one-player co-op, you play with a, a space dog or a space cat, and uh, yeah, and it's AI controlled. So you you kind of give it a direction of which station you want to go to, and then it handles it when it gets there. And then um, the, yeah, the two-player co-op. Is uh, you're both on the couch playing together, and you're both in the ship, and you're you know it's you bring whatever kind of 
relationship you have um, and what dynamic you have together in, in playing in the game. So some people are like yelling at each other, bickering. Some people are like, they're like really quiet because they know exactly what each other are thinking. So yeah, it's always interesting seeing this dynamic. Uh, so would this be a people. good game to have in a relationship therapist's office? <laughs> <you think? laughs> I, yeah. That, to that, see, that, see what the underlying... That'd be totally interesting. That, I think um, that'd be, just from what you said, that sounds like that'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So cooperation obviously is going to get you a lot further. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, is there any incentive for one player to, I don't know, get more points than the other, or is it all cooperative? Uh, yeah, it's it's completely cooperative. So you're since you share this the ship, you you share damage, you share you share failure, you share success. Oh, damn it, so the pixel it's monsters are back. Um, it's in your interest to progress through the game to uh, to work together. Um, the game is very colorful. Was there any uh, particular influence? They're attacking. Uh, Zach, yeah, get like, to the left we turn. kind of start out like with uh, a couple <laughs> of illustrators and animators, like uh, Chris Ware is uh, a really great illustrator, and uh, Scott Benson is a great animator, and they really um, like kind of that geometric and uh, really colorful kind of palette. That's kind of where we we started with that, and uh, yeah, we we looked at like 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 the the genre kind of is is this like space sci-fi so we want to go like the exact opposite of that so right yeah like like stuff like powerpuff girls and, and it stuff. does look very saturday yeah. morning cartoon yeah so we wanted we wanted and it's something we wanted to be appealing to like you know all people all people in the family um and like you know if you play with your your girlfriend or your wife or your husband uh your kids or your, like something that like you know within your family you play together with your friends um, so it's like the important part was it was it's something that you could show them and they you know they would be interested in because it's very friendly and very approachable. How long would you say a level is typically? Uh, a level, um, it's like probably we've seen between like 15 minutes. Uh, you can go quick in um, to to third people have been play like we'll play a level through 30 minutes um, and then so campaigns are like four levels and then a boss battle um, so you can you can vary like you can speed run them or you can kind of try and collect everything to like 100% and uh, so the game sort of rewards exploration yeah and and so uh, when you the, when you as you get bunnies you unlock upgrades for your ship so those carry um, over for your next levels and everything yeah so the upgrades are permanent and then they kind of carry over between the campaigns um, and then we have this other secondary upgrade system which is through these gems that power up each station and so those reset through each campaign you play um, but there's like three different kinds of gems um, and they like depending on what station you put it on um, they upgrade like with power like like extra gun firepower or like faster um, faster shield bigger shield um, um, kind of different kinds like we have one that like has it's like a metal flail um, and then as you unlock uh, as you upgrade the ship you unlock the ability to combine gems okay. so now each each station can have like nine different um, configurations so oh, wow. um, when you combine the gems you get like really powerful weapons that uh, that kind of are some of them are crazy like like the big flail that will shoot laser beams at, at things and yeah so it's it's a lot of fun once you've um, kind of upgraded through through a couple levels so that's that's the incentive as you're going through levels to rescue as many bunnies as you can because um that's how you that's how you unlock that and you unlock more sh more ship layouts as well gotcha. um so are there any modes other than campaign or uh just the campaign mode yeah and uh this game is available on which platforms it's uh xbox one and steam and steam's uh pc mac and linux excellent um is it Anything else you'd like our listeners to know about your game? Um, it's coming out September 9th, September so 9th, that's, that's very, very soon, soon from now. By the time they listen to this, probably. Yeah.
Yeah. All right. Um, thank you very much for your time, Jamie. It was Thanks great. a lot. How about your game? Thanks. Thank you. You're wrong, Tim. That is tomorrow. Yeah. It comes out. To, well, no. for our listeners, it will have already happened. Yeah, well, I didn't catch on that piece. Yes. So, lovers in a dangerous space time. Yeah, and it got dangerous there a little bit. Some space creatures attacked yeah, us. I don't know if it's my mic or what, what the interference is coming from. It's starting to tick me up. So we also went over a couple blocks away to the Seattle Indies Expo, which is like a tight little basement room where a bunch of Indies were showing off their games. And we You're not joking when you say tight. Yeah, it was tight. Like it was asshole. Yep. It was small. Um smaller than a porn star's butthole. That's actually pretty big. So anyway, um we saw a bunch of games, but I think one really stood out for both of us, which is called Rocket Fist. Um it's a very small arena, uh four players. And you get a rocket fist to start out with, and you get to shoot it in the direction you're pointing. And, of course, if it hits someone else, they're out. But someone else could pick up your rocket fist if you miss and shoot it back at you. And also, if there's a rocket fist on the ground, if you shoot that rocket fist, the second rocket fist will rocket off in the direction it's pointing. So you can do, like, a bank shot into a resting rocket fist and, like, shoot someone around a corner and do, like, a really cool trick shot. It was fast and frantic, and we were... I don't know. We were really getting into it in the 15 minutes. That game was awesome. So I could totally see that being a uh, Button Smashers Family Game Night game. Uh, Dude, that game was sick. Um, really simple, really easy to understand. But like I said, the trick shots and like waiting for someone to come around the corner and then shooting him. It was awesome. Yeah. Tim and I really got into yep. it. And then there, there was a guy that was kicking all of our butts and he left so we could have a lot yeah, more. Yeah, I actually started to get good at it and actually started to kill Zach. And any, any game where yeah. I beat Zach, I think it's an awesome game. So, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. So, nice. I, my throat's getting a little dry. I don't know about you. It is. So, before we go, why should they like us and read us on iTunes? Well, would you like to be trapped in your own bed in a pool of sweat hallucinating about Marilyn Manson grinding his pelvis above you? Or, would you prefer to be immune to the Pax Pox? If... You like us and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. You will have a magic immunity to common germs that you will find at packs from millions of sweaty nerds caressing controllers. You will be immune because you have the knowledge that you did the right thing and liked and reviewed Plug and Play on the iTunes instead of having fever dreams of Marilyn Manson. Cool. So, yes. Jim. Another reason why they should like us and write us on iTunes, because I know this is your favorite thing in Another the world. Another one? Another one! If you like us and rate us on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you're walking through the park from one pack's appointment to another, you will randomly encounter street musicians playing game music, and it will be awesome, and you will happen to have your recording device handy and capture it for your break music for your podcast. But if you don't, you'll just see a bum peeing in the corner. So, if you want to see a bum peeing in the corner, don't like us and rate us. If you want to hear awesome video game music played by um, passionate gamers, like us and rate us on iTunes. Alright guys, we'll be right back after this awesome, non-homeless person peeing in the corner music break.
And we're back. Tasty Treats in hand. Musical break provided by Derek, David Eric Ramos or Doc Jazz, uh, Doc Jazz 4 on Twitter, Instagram, etc. And by World Law 8, um, a.k.a. Doug Law, um, who is xworldlaw 8x on Twitter. So thank you guys for that music. Um, so, Zach, what are, you, mm. what are you drinking today for a Tasty Treat? Dude, it is PAX Prime, baby. So we are still... Having the official <laughs> drink endorsed by the Pax Prime Association and brought to us by Paxbox. It's called Elysian. Wait, I don't want that sponsor. Paxbox is a horrible sponsor. They're sponsored by Pax Prime. Right. Wait, don't worry about it. It'll, they're Elysian Brewing, the Immortal IPA. Nice. How is it? Tastes like packs. Nice. So, sweaty nerds? Sweaty nerds with some hot cosplay. <laughs> nice. So, um, you've done this before, um, but I am guilty of buying uh, today's Tasty Treat based on the label. Um, oh, shit. I'm sending you a picture right now. So, my beer is called um, Gigantic... And I think they have a normal IPA just called Gigantic, but I've got the Imperial IPA, so it's Gigantic Ginormous. Oh, shit. That's an awesome <laughs> label. Um, the label. Dude, that's totally transformative. The label says it's got a giant robot in the cover. Um, the label says Ginormous Imperial IPA developed in a secret testing facility deep in southeast Portland. Ginormous is powered in seven mighty hops. His mission is simple to deliver a massive hop punch to those in need. So it's 8.8% alcohol, and I don't know how many IBUs, but yeah, awesome label. Cracking it open. All right, big head on this guy. Ginormous yeah. head, I might say. Uh, it's hoppy. Mm-hmm. It's good. Um, yeah, I wish you guys could see this label. It's kick-ass. I'll post up at it's the button sort of reminds, underneath episode It sort of reminds me of our uh, Kickstarters because it's about red, white, and blue. But but he's yeah. more um, he's more Transformer-looking than the Mark V or whatever it is. So, let's get into Monday. All right, guys. We're on Monday. This is the last day of PAX Prime. Um, we started off our day with Razer. Yes, the company called Razer. You guys know e. them for gaming mice with an E. Uh, you guys know them from their gaming mice, their headsets, their keyboards, and a whole line of stuff that they do for professional gaming. And we got a sneak peek on two brand new products they're going to be releasing this year with gamers in mind. The very first one we have is called the Razer Wildcat. And we actually have interviews for all these. But I'm going to run you guys down really quick. Um, just give you some highlights of it. And then we're going to actually talk to the developer and the designer of it. Um, the Razer Wildcat has four uh, additional buttons alongside the regular Xbox One. I should say this is an Xbox One controller, guys. Um, and the trigger buttons. That are trigger buttons on the bottom that are fully programmable. Um, it also has... An ergonomical shape. It's the same weight as uh, the original Xbox controller, 
but with all it has like i don't remember exactly he'll get into it in the interview guys um the thumbsticks on it are uh forged with enhanced materials for compatible complete reliability uh complete reliability on the battlefield uh so they've got the optimal uh triggers for rapid fire up on the top they have the slow turn analog joysticks for uh the increased sensitivity they have the multifunctional triggers on the bottom the two new and two uh new shoulder buttons as well but without butchering this description any further let's just jump into their description of it we building on our success for the Saber 2, we actually developed a prototype of the Wildcat and went around um, um, from East to West Coast um, looking at eSports athletes. Um, we actually researched with them thinking of which features should we add into our um, new controller for the Xbox One. So basically the main takeaway that we got from them was that um, they needed to have um, additional buttons to actuate. So basically this is the um, buttons that you are looking at, M1, M2, M3, M4. We considered using we, we considered using um, pedals, but the main point, um, the main issue with pedals is that the higher it, it is, the harder it, it is to actuate. So we went for more precision style um, triggers instead of pedals. So this is being reflected in the design of the Wildcat um, as a whole. Um, in addition to that, um, the the weight of it, the weight of the Wildcat is actually carefully calibrated. So we look at other tournament grid controllers, um, Microsoft Elite, etc. So we realized that they are weight wise, right? Um, they are, we are looking at about more than 300 grams, whereby the original Xbox One wireless controller is about 262 grams. So we actually, um, because of that, we actually built this controller to be wired with no latency at all. Um, and kept the weight to be at 262 grams. So it's pretty much comparable to the original um, Xbox One wireless controller. Um, that's mainly due to the fact that the eSports athletes practice about 10 to 12 hours a day. So um, we kind of need to keep that weight to prevent fatigue from setting in in their daily training and stuff. Um, next, one thing to take note of is the quick control panel that we have. Um, this is the first in the, in the industry. We actually integrated the entire um, volume control into the entire controller. So what, what you see in the first um, first button is actually the profile map, mapping. So you are able to profile, um, you are able to remap any one of the buttons on the controller to the extra um, multifunction um, button and bumpers and triggers. So um, for example, you can just hold this. Um, press the multifunction button bumpers that you wish to uh, assign and press um, ABXY for example and it's done. So this from now on is actually Y. Um, the next one is profile cycling. There's a total of three profiles on this controller. One default with with no um, mapping being done to the extra functional um, triggers and bumpers. The other two will be um, to your liking. You can actually um, remap it um, ABXY to, to whichever setting and then switch it in-game, on the fly. Okay. All right. So, um, That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so the next one that we looked at is the um, audio controls that we actually wanted to give um, uh, an advantage to the eSports gamers. So um, we have Mike Mew over here, um, as well as the volume control. Um, pressing it once will actually increase the volume by 20%. Um, however, if you want to fine-tune your, your, your volume control, game chat balance, etc., press forward to this, up and down, which means that the master volume, okay. um, left and right, actually adjust the game chat balance. Oh, nice. Yep, so um, if you are in a 
middle of a team battle, you, you want to hear your teammates a bit more clearly, just press the gamepad balance. And then turn up the game. Turn up, yep, turn up the, the chat and then, and then you, you basically got it covered. Um, in addition, this, this is an integrated 3.5mm um, slot, so you are able to use any um, headsets with a microphone with your controller as well. Nice. Yep, um, just wanted to take note of, um, the materials that we use for this um, Wildcat is actually reinforced. Um, one of the main reasons is that when we consult with the eSports athletes, they were going through about three controllers every two months, wow. two to three months or, or so. So the main feedback that we got from them was that the net experience breakage. So what we did was to reinforce this with high carbon steel so that it would be more durable. And we actually thought of putting that into the back triggers as well to prevent um, um, yeah, to prevent damage and stuff. However, it kind of adds on to the weight of the controller, which is something that we do not want to do. So we actually replace this, um, instead of high carbon steel, we replace it with aluminium, aircraft grade aluminium, so that it's just as durable. But, um, but there's this consistency. That's right. So um, one, uh, the other main feature of this is actually the trigger stops. This is basically the trigger stop. The actual actuation angle of the triggers um, without the trigger stop being activated is about 18 degrees. With this activated, it's about 5 degrees. Oh, oh wow. So what you see now is it's it being activated. And yep, that's right. That, that's why it's actually for rapid fire. Without this, it like, goes all the way. Right. With this, it, it goes half. Yep. Okay. So basically, this is a Razor Wildcat. Um, it will be available in, in retail in October, early to mid-October. It will be retailing at one point. Okay. All right. So you guys are going to be running this. Um, I think that is that roughly when the Microsoft's releasing their new one as well, and you're yes. going to be right going up against that one. Um, I wouldn't say going up against them per se, yeah. because ours is more of an esports focused, performance driven um, controller. Okay. Yeah. So it's it might be in a different. And have yeah. you guys put uh, any consideration into the? Uh, is this just standard buttons underneath there? I mean, or is it like pressure sensitive? Okay. Um, yep. Yeah. Question. Um, one thing to take take off um, in the saber, um, Razer Saber Two, we actually have um, hyper response button. We term it as hyper response button because mainly they are mechanical switches. It's the same type of switches that we use in our uh, in our mines. So the actuation angle is shallower, so it's actually faster um, to to actuate for the ABXY. For the Wildcat, we actually extended the buttons over to the multifunctional um, um, bumper and trigger as well. So basically now you have got eight hyper response buttons instead of the original four. So which what that means is that um, this all, all the extra functional triggers and bumpers they are actually hyper response as well. Okay. Yep. And how long is the battery life than one of these? Um this is purely wired. Mainly we wanted to uh, reduce the latency okay. and the consideration of the weight. Okay. Yeah that's right. Um one I just didn't see a wire so I wasn't sure. So okay. no. yeah we just okay. get out. Yes. Uh, the, the USB connection is actually reinforced to prevent um, oh, it nice. from cutting out too easily. Um, just to add, um, I don't have the thumb grips available now, now on display, but uh, just to take note that thumb grips are actually optional. You can actually choose to have it on or grip? to have it yeah, okay. grip or without. The, some caps they are they are actually removable as well. Oh, nice. They yep. can replace them as they wear. Yes, that's right. Um, and in addition, the, the the rubber that we actually use on the analog sticks are actually medical grade rubber. They are more resistant to sweat and and, oh, and nice. stuff. Yep. Cool. So yep, that's basically it for the Razor Wildcat man. Okay, awesome. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Welcome. So that was really technical, but it was a pretty amazing controller. Like all the ways you could customize it.
Um, the rapid fire, you could map any button to the rapid fire triggers. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought the, yeah, the controller by far was one of the most amazing things that I've probably seen coming out for esports gaming. Uh, nonetheless, it is, was, the, the buttons were so damn sensitive. Yeah. I mean, it was just awesome. And the fact that you could, I don't know if you caught that, you could adjust one of them for a five degree angle, I think it was, to a 15 degree angle. So you could, you could make it yeah. really tight. Um, I thought that was cool. I was way, way more impressed I, with that Xbox One controller than the Microsoft special one. And they're retailing at the same price. That's the reason why I asked if they were going to be competing. He was which careful to say he wasn't, but I think they kind of are. I don't know. I think they are. I think that I get where he's going. Like, this this controller is meant for the esports. Mm-hmm. Uh, the elite controller is just meant for the hardcore mm-hmm. gamer. But this controller, by far, at the same price point, I'd be selecting this thing over the 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 actual Microsoft uh, Elite controller any day, dude. Like, the grips around the whole entire thing are exchangeable. So, like, once you wear out the grips, boom, buy new ones, slap them on there. They just come right off. The bottom buttons come off. So if you wear out the bottom buttons, or if for some reason you break one somehow or something like that, you pop it out, pop a new one in. I mean, everything's fully customizable on this controller. Mechanical Uh, switches. The reinforce. Mechanical switches are just amazing. Uh... Just the USB port on it by itself, uh, the reinforced state of it is just awesome. It's actually like a thick chunk of, I'm not sure if it was like a heavy-duty plastic that was surrounded, the actual plug that went inside the controller, or if it was actually metal. But it actually went in like a quarter to like half an inch into the actual controller instead of just being hanging outside the controller like the Xbox ones do. So I am extremely excited to see this one prolong, and hopefully, we might be getting some demo samples of this to check out with you guys. So we don't so, have Xbox Ones, but this would totally work for a PC. It would definitely work for PC, and I'm extremely excited. Now that first audio clip that you guys heard was our first half of the interview we had with them, um, and that's for the Razer Nabu. Uh, and the Razer Nabu, I'm gonna let Tim describe a little bit more because he's more of our wrist tech savvy sure. person. So um, this was a wearable design. <coughs> Designed with the gamer in mind, um, it has a very um, small. There's two models actually, and he'll go into that, I believe. Um, one model just displays light patterns, and one actually mm-hmm. has a very small screen. So it uh, takes push notifications from your phone, and will either pulse uh, the lights or it'll display a small line of text in the OLED screen. Uh, but it has some really cool features that I kind of wish my smartwatch had. Um, if you meet another Nabu um, wearer and kind of shake hands, if you have a profile loaded, it will trade profiles like swapping business cards. Um, it has all sorts of tracking information for steps. Um, like I believe it tracks your sleep as well. Um, very small, slim form factor. It looks like a bracelet instead of a watch, so that's cool yeah. as well. Um, but I, I believe he goes into a lot of detail, so I'm going to let him describe it because he'll do a better job. So at CES 2014, Razer announced the uh, original Razer Nabu. It was a smart band that won uh, Best of CES People's Choice over 20,000 other products. Huge amount of support. We had 30,000 developers sign up to develop for it. Uh, we released small quantities of it throughout 2014, but we had we ran into some production issues. So here at PAX 2015, uh, we're very excited to be announcing the wide distribution of the redesigned uh, Razer Nabu. So it's still 
features uh, the discrete notification screen on the uh, that sits on the underside of the wrist that only activates when you flip your wrist over. Okay. That screen is going to stream any notification you get on your Android or iOS smartphone, uh, whether it's a call, text, uh, email, app alert. Uh, you can customize that all on the proprietary uh, Malibu Companion app. Additionally, the band also tracks uh, a tremendous amount of fitness data. So steps taken, calories burned, automatic sleep tracking, uh, all available on the Razer Nabu. And what's also really cool about it is it will, um, it's a social wearable. So these bands can actually communicate to each other. So if you and I had a Nabu and we shook hands, we could exchange contact information, become Facebook friends, uh, Twitter followers, you know, it's all on an opt-in basis, um, but you, you can't, you have that functionality if you want it. Additionally, we have an app marketplace uh, within the Nabu um, app where you, uh, where you can download additional apps that work with the Nabu, uh, fitness apps, uh, game apps, uh, all right there on the marketplace as well. So uh, at PAX also, we've, uh, we're giving away 2,000 of the limited edition PAX uh, Blue Nabu X units. These are to the first 500 people that show up to the booth every day. We're also giving away some online. Uh, this does everything that Nabu does, fitness tracking, notifications, uh, social wearable, you know, social functionality. But what's, also, what's uh, a little bit different about it is it doesn't have that OLED screen. Instead, it has uh, blinking lights and uh, custom vibration patterns on top of the wrist. Uh, that you can customize within the within the companion app uh, to let you uh, to uh, personalize your band for different types of notifications. So you can have the app, you can have the uh, the band blink blue or red or green or vibrate different ways, uh, different color patterns within the three blinking lights to differentiate calls, text, emails. So you can quickly look at your wrist, uh, find out what's happening on your phone. Uh, if it's important, get to your phone. If not, you know, just let it go. Will that version be available at retail as well? Or just here. Uh, we have black and green available in retail right now and white uh, these are 49 but the blue is Pax the blue is Pax Pax. Pax. Uh, what's the range on these uh, from your phone it's Bluetooth low energy so um, I'm not sure the exact range but it'll work like if you have your phone like upstairs in your home it should stream okay. uh, if you're downstairs that's, or something. that's what I mean that's yeah you were about to, household. Yeah. You were about to say this is 49 $49.99 for the Razer Nabu X and uh, the Razer Nabu is going to go on pre order September 15th it'll be shipping in October for $99 nice nice price point that's a really good price point for uh, what it does and everything yeah, yeah um, no. so when you were saying that it reads or that it'll alert you if text messages are not will it read them across the screen yeah you can uh, you can set like the scroll speed yeah uh, on the Nabu you can set if you want it to read uh, your text messages and your emails it's really up to you it's, it's all customizable in the app awesome um, what type of charging cradle does it come with I know some of these other uh, products out there that are wearable products um, you know the charging on it is break or it's easily breakable it's, it's a very simple charging solution. It's just on the inside of the band, and that's something that changed. Uh, it's right there. Oh, nice. Between the original Razer Nabu and uh, this, uh, the redesigned Razer Nabu. Uh, the original had the charging port within the clasp. Uh, we didn't really like that uh, that that design. Um, we thought it could be better, so that's why it's now on the other side of the uh, okay. the inside of the band. Awesome. And you also get a, you get six days of battery life. Oh, wow. uh, up to six days of battery oh, life, yeah. and it's flash resistant, so you can shower with it. That's uh, a little bit different than mine. Yeah. 
the original uh, or the uh, the Nabu X, uh, you can actually uh, swim with it. Okay. Nice. Wow. That's and awesome. You said the OLED screen is on the wrist side, so it really it, it's, it, it's right up top. Here. So it'd be on the outside. Or uh, it's on, it's on top. Some people are wearing it on the bottom. Okay. You know, so you know, some people think it's easier to look at the bottom of the wrist. Gotcha. It's, up, it's up to the user. Any other questions? I think that's it that I got uh, for right now. I'm impressed with the battery life, though. Yeah. No, we don't. You know, we didn't think people have cell phones, tablets, laptops. They charge every day. You know, yeah. We didn't need to add something else to that equation. Yeah, exactly. So uh, awesome. I'll bring Lawrence over here, and you can talk about the uh, Razer Wild Okay. Thank sounds you. Good. Thank you. So that was the Nabu wristband from Razer. Yeah, it's a really cool device, actually. I wouldn't mind trying it out and uh, seeing how it does compared to the watch that I have right now. It obviously doesn't do every feature uh, that it's the watches do. It's kind of coming out from a different angle than our watches. Yeah. Um, but moving on, uh, we went together to a pretty interesting booth um, that I saw in passing that I wanted to come back and check out. And you were like, that's stupid. I'm not going to that. But I think you ended up having a lot of fun. I'm talking about... I like sniffing. <laughs> the game we checked out was called Butt Sniffing Pugs. Before I talk about the game, I think I have to describe the controller. So, you know the Wilson tennis balls, the yellow tennis balls? Imagine one the size of a basketball, and that is your trackball. And then there's two buttons, and there is a stuffed pug butt, and that's your controller. So, you are this pug in this big sandbox open game, and you have two actions that the two buttons correspond to like um bark and poop for example so i kept trying to poop on this grandma's picnic um blanket she kept shooing me off and i'd bark at her and i'd try to sneak back and poop on her meanwhile zach's off on the other side doing god knows what i i came and sniffed your butt and i got the bite motion so i went and bit that old so yeah ass. when you sniff the other player's butt you know butt sniffing pugs you change your powers so you only get two powers at a time um, so we got like scoot was one of our powers where you get a scoot on two legs like you're dragging a butt in the carpet. And then brown stains show yeah, up behind you. Or bite, like he said. Um I don't there's And he could bite the old lady and she's swatted Tim Way one too many times, so I bit so her. Bite's actually a cool power though, because we uh were able to pick up objects and we actually played Frisbee for a little bit. Yeah, me and Tim were tossing a frisbee the, back the crowd and forth was and we got get, it up to like yeah, four. We got a four chain. The crowd was getting into it behind us. Yeah, they were getting really into it. They got me really nervous. I think that's the reason why I dropped yeah, it. Good. But um, yeah. I'm not sure if there's really a point to the game. Um, but hey. I can't see there being a point. It's just a fun thing to play around with, I think. It is. I, I don't know if it would have had the same impact if I didn't have that awesome butt pug stuff well, controller Obviously, in front of those me. buttons would probably map to a mouse. Um, I believe this game is going to have a Kickstarter, so we'll probably talk about it one more time. But it was a really cute, fun, stupid little game. Um, which contrasts very well with our next game, which is a very serious game. I'll let Zach introduce that one. So the next game we went and saw was called Through the Woods, guys. And this is in any mega booth as well, um, along with butt-sniffing pugs. And Through the Woods, you actually play as a mother. And it's a mother recreating her steps through this horrible, horrible event where she lost her son... And I can't remember what country it was in. Do you remember what country? I want to say Sweden, but um, I believe it. Yeah, I believe it will say in the interview we have what country. I believe it will. Um, but I think it was Sweden. I'm just going to explain because I'm the one who mm -hmm. actually played it. And you're being asked questions by this investigator. And you're recreating the game as you're like listening to the audio. 
and the ambient noise around you, you're off in the woods, by the way, and you're going through the woods, and you're just waiting for a jump scare this whole time. I mean, my heart was racing, because it, it, it sounds like you're actually in the woods, in the middle of Sweden, at nighttime, searching out this thing, and then it's like, hey, then uh, the officer will say something like, but that legend that you're claiming that stole your son leaves... Uh, what the hell are those things on the back of bicycles that light up? Uh, or like on helmets? Yeah, reflector? Uh, reflectors. Yeah, reflectors. He's like, but they leave reflectors wherever they go. And then like, as he says that, like you'll see like a little glimmer off to the side and you're like, look. And then all of a sudden you'll see a bunch of like reflectors that are leading your path. So then you're a mother and you're trying to find your son. So you're following the path of these creepy freaking reflectors hanging in bushes on the ground, on the trees. And, uh, as you go further and further, you find cabins, and you have to knock on the cabins, and the doors are locked, and then you come across one that's unlocked, so you have to venture. It sounds like a kid's crying on the inside, so you venture inside, and nobody's there, but then you hear a sound behind you, and uh, it's really well, it's just a, it's an amazing story that has a great audio to it, but before I go any further and ruin the game for you guys, Tim actually got to interview the developer of it while I was playing the game. So tell me about uh, Through the Woods. Okay, so Through the Woods is um, a psychological horror game set in Norway where you play as a mother whose son's been kidnapped by a creature from Norse mythology and dragged through a forest. And your job is to find uh, why he was taken and where he was taken. And it's uh, it's a narrative-driven horror story, so it's all it's all about the story of the... Though the whole game is about the stories. And the... Uh, the story is told, or the main story is told, through a series of interviews that happen after the game ends between the woman that you play as and some kind of investigator. Uh, and you hear it as you play, which means that the game is sort of in the past tense. But the choices that you make and decisions that you decisions that you choose during the game direct the, the they drive the direction of the conversation that you hear, depending on how she's feeling or what she's doing at the time. Uh, the, there are several stories happening at the same time in the game. So there's sort of um, as you as you pass through the forest, you hear uh, or you find these sort of journals left over from the people that used to live on the island, which tell a story of why the kid was kidnapped and where he's been taken. The story that she tells tells the story of how she's feeling at the time and what she's what she's doing. And, and there's also um, all all around the forest are these um, are these runes that you find, which you can they're old they're real old Norse runes, which you can actually translate using a sort of translator wheel that tell the story of um, the island itself and the history of the island and the inhabitants of the of the place. Uh, the yeah. game looks very atmospheric from the demo that we're watching. It looks a lot like walking through a real forest. Yes, thank you. The, uh, all the graphics now, we just upgraded just recently from Unity 4 to Unity 5, which makes a little bit of a difference. But it's also we've... Um, we... Uh, all, all, our, all, all our assets and all of our textures are all fully fully custom now, so we haven't used anything from any of the libraries or anything. Is all the, the majority of the game like this going through the woods, or you mentioned there was an interview process? So is yeah, the interview is only heard. Or? No, 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 it's, it's, all, it's all in the forest, so you, it's not all in like a sort of wooded forest. There are several locations, but they're all on a trail from one end of this island to, to the other. Um, and the game sort of starts at dusk. So it's a bit brighter than it ends at dawn. So it's sort of the length of a, of a, of a real Norwegian summer summer night, you know. Um, and, um, 
yeah, all of the artwork here is done. We went to a forest in Norway called Songsvan, just outside of Oslo, and we put some black canvas down and put all these leaves and twigs and trees on these canvases and took photographs of them. And then we just basically cut them out and stuck them in the game. So they're all they're, they're photographs, all the assets and the, cool. the foliage is all photos of. Uh, awesome. Yeah. And I, I'm the sound designer, so I've done all of the audio for the game. Oh, uh, oh cool. I can't uh, wait to hear it then. Yeah. Um, so, atmosphere is a, is a very big part, it sounds like, of this game. Yep, yep. And um, you mentioned earlier that uh, Norse mythology plays into this. Yep. Is that a, a big component or a minor component? Yeah, yeah, it's a big component. Uh, so, so all the creatures that you find along the way, so the forest is full of creatures that can kill you. Um, and it's a little bit like anal isolation because you can't you can't kill these creatures or, or hurt them. You just got to run away or hide from them. Or you, each creature has a has a sort of method how you can escape it or, or get or get away from it. Um, and each creature is either from Norse mythology or from Norwegian folk tales, which are Norwegian folk tales are not that well known outside of Norway. Um, okay. The Brothers Grimm collected all of the European folk tales together, but they didn't collect many from Norway. So, so it'll be a new experience for yeah, a lot of it, players. It should be. We we tell some stories about Norse folklore in this game as well, so people awesome. might learn something. I, I'm English, so I don't know that much about Norse mythology either. So I'm learning as I go as well with this with this Norwegian team. Um, so when when is this game scheduled to release or open uh, to release? Or? It's coming out early next year. Some I think hopefully between February and April. And uh, what platforms? Uh, it's on Steam, Mac, Linux, Xbox One, um, and hopefully hopefully PlayStation. Hopefully depending on, on various Xbox things. One for sure, not yeah, yeah, not PlayStation yeah. for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, anything else you want the listeners to know about your game? Or? Uh, no, it's great. It's scary. You should just play it. It's 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 actually um in in about a week and a half, maybe two weeks. The the pack demo we have here is free for anyone to download from our website. So you can just download this um, 10, 15 minute long demo to, to try for yourselves. Would that be antagonist.com? Or? Antagonist.com. Yes. Sorry. Great. Thank you very much. Of course. Thank you. So he's not lying, guys. That game is like I'm not a scary guy game game guy sort of thing I, I don't really care for scare games but this is definitely like a psychological like trip you're on because you are immersed into the sound effects of your feet the rustling of the woods animals off in the distance um wrapped around with this mother and this investigator talking in your ear and then it's just they really screw with your mind and then you I came across a cave where there was like kids toys and I found, I think it was my Creepy. son's jacket in it. So it, it's definitely creepy guys. So I recommend anybody to go download that, uh, go download that demo, try it out, check it out for yourself. That game's going to be good. I don't know if I could do it without the lights on and holy water in my hand. Oh, that's the way to play it in the dark. Nope. Zach says, Nope. Nope. Not playing. I might come over to your house and play it with all the lights on and holy water. My master sword and high rule shield in my <laughs> lap, but stab your TV. Die! Yeah. <sighs> so the next demo we got to check out was pretty awesome. Uh, we got to check out um, Starseed, um, and there's a subtitle to the game. I want to say it's the. I can't remember now. But it was featuring the HTC Vive, um, which is Steam's VR. Um, and that was amazing. Um, just the day before, I tried Sony's Morpheus, and that was okay. Um, the Vive really blew it away as far... Call of the Starseed. Call of the Starseed. There's something else, too, like The Witness. or not, It's not The Witness. Call of the Starseed um, was the game, um, which was a good game, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, well, maybe... 
Did you hear the part about the controller? Maybe you should describe the controller since I played the game. So yeah, the HTC Vive was actually the headset, I think, paired along with the controllers. So what made this special was that uh, the HTC Vive is going by a 1200 by 1080 pixel screen in front of each eye. Uh, It's going to be refreshing at 90 frames per second. Uh, It's also got, uh, you can put your own headphone jacks into it and plug them into the side would make some stereo surround sound uh another thing special about it is there's actually two motion tracking cameras you place inside the room that you're gonna be recording in or you're gonna be playing in and these wands have cameras on every single side of them that no matter where you put them on your body the cameras will pick up them and be able to notice exactly where your hands are supposed to be moving and what you're supposed to be doing. I think they're lasers, not cameras, which he made a point of. So <coughs> some people, oh, maybe they were lasers. Some people are freaked out, like with the um, Connect, have a camera. Oh, that's right. They were lasers. You're right. They were lasers. So there's no cameras recording you. It's just <sighs> it's just lasers bouncing off the sensors, and it was incredibly accurate. They started the demo with the uh, controllers on the floor. And let you pick them up, and they were exactly where they should be, according to your vision. I liked my guy's response mm. when I did it, because uh, when I whatever lean over, like in the microphone, he's like, "Whoa, whoa, take it slow." And I was like, "Cause I was like, I could see him. I was like, leaned over, grabbed him as quick as I could, and ripped him up into the air and stood up. And he's just like, "Whoa, whoa," and I was like, "I'm good. Like, it's fine." Yeah, they asked us after the. I got the full demo. You just got a little taste, but they asked us afterwards if we felt nauseous or whatever, and we both felt fine. Yeah, like I. Honestly, like leaning over with this thing over my face, like I felt like I was gonna get sick, but like I can see him clear as day, like down on the ground, like in this grass. So I just leaned over really quickly, grabbed the controllers, and picked them up. Um, and it was awesome because actually I was reading up on it a little bit, and they're actually having a tracking and room scaling. Mm. So they're using the gyro sensors, accelerometers, and laser position sensors, uh, laser positioning sensors. Um, to precisely track the rotation of your head, both axes, and uh, your wrists. So, so yeah. But, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I think there's two sensors in the room, kind of kitty corner from each other. Yep, and, exactly. And then they match up, like you said, with the uh, sensors on the handset. Um, it was just very precise. Like, when you moved your hand, it went where you thought it would, so there was no... I, I felt like with the, the other the Morpheus, that it wasn't quite where it should be. It was close, but not quite right. This was much more accurate, um, which helped with the gameplay a lot. So the gameplay, or the game was said was, um, sorry, I'm going to get it wrong again, Call of the Starseed, um, mm-hmm. which was an adventure game, and there's some puzzles, and um, you walked around in these caves, it was kind of like a shipwreck, and you looked through clues. Um, one part, you got to fire a bottle rocket, which was awesome. Um, you just picked up the bottle rocket and stuck it in the fire, which lit it, and you could point it, and it was super accurate. Like it was just like holding a real bo- bottle rocket. Dude, I accidentally shot the bottle rocket off of a cliff, and it bounced back towards me, and I had like the sudden urge to, to like literally jump in real life. Because <laughs> like I watched it, and it came flying back towards me, and I almost like jumped. I was like, oh shit! One thing that was so, very helpful for the real world space is it in the game. There's like these faint blue lines radiating upwards from where the edges of your play space are. So it's pretty muted in the background, but you can tell that, okay, I can't really walk over there because I'm going to walk into a wall in the real world. Um, so that was really well done. Another thing that was really well done is um, they explained to you, I believe, that to prevent motion sickness, instead of walking the whole time, 
you could kind of blink. Um, you'd hold down one of the triggers and then tilt your head forward, um, and it would highlight an icon further down the path, and you would just blink to that spot. Um, so and you could literally blink to any spot. Like I blinked on top of a, uh, on top of like a little rock thing, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. But yeah, just incredibly accurate. You could pick up objects, um, turn them around your hand, look at them in different angles. Um, that in the game there's a backpack, and you just reached over your shoulder pick the backpack up, and then you kind of swipe with your hand to go through the stuff in the backpack, pick out what you wanted. Um, I loaded up a tape that I found into a tape deck, and it all felt really natural. Like, they didn't have to explain to me what to do. I could just do it. Um, so, yeah. very good programming for the game. Um, as far as I know, Call of the Starseed is the only full VR game that's not just... And it it's going to have four chapters in it. They're going to be releasing them uh, episode, episodically. So other games will be like, there's something you can do. like Sandbox. You can build a little city or um, maybe do ride, ride on a roller coaster. It's like short experiences. This is a full game. And there was puzzles. Like I was shooting flare guns at things. It was awesome. Um, so I while Tim was playing, I got to talk to the actual developer of it. And... Uh, at one point, I mentioned that he was like, uh, like he'd be the fa- founding father of full games of VR. Mm-hmm. Like he'd be one of the first people, and he he made it clear that he wasn't giving himself that title, but that other people in the industry have mentioned it to him that he was going where other people haven't because most people have not made a full feature length game. No, they, they uh, make an experience based in VR. They make an experience that shows off VR, and it's definitely interactive. So, in that sense, it's a game. But as far as a full narrative experience, I think Call of the Star Seed will be the first full game for VR. Yeah, I mean, it was. And it, it was fun. It was so smooth, mm-hmm. and like it was just awesome. Like they didn't have to explain anything really to you. And like at one point, I got thrown into an area where I could pick up bottles, and I walked over, and like I could see I was standing on like this platform that had like this endless pit underneath it. And he was like, well, it's time to move you. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. And I like just chucked the bottle off. And I could just see the bottle getting smaller and twirling and twirling and twirling till I couldn't see it anymore. And he goes, are you done? And I said, I guess. This is really an endless pit. I'm never going to hear it smash. And he goes, nope, there's no end to it. <laughs> and so off, he, off I went into the actual game and checked it out and stuff. And it was a lot of fun. So, although I did feel like I was going to get burnt by the fire, I kind of got scared. Like moving towards the fire, I was like, "I, I don't want to." Yeah, no, you had a no. more visceral experience. You're like ducking from the, the uh, rockets and afraid of the fire. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, it wasn't so funny for me. I was like, "No, goddamn battle rockets!" <laughs> so I got to check out a game called MechaZoo, and I think this game's going to be big when it comes out. It's coming out for a lot of the consoles, I think almost all of them, and of course PC. I'll let the um, developer talk about the game, but really quick, it sort of reminded me of just the fresh feeling of when Sonic the Hedgehog came out. You're moving really fast, um, but the difference is you can switch between two different animals with two different completely different powers, and you can play as two players so that one player controls one animal and the other player controls a different one, and you kind of steal back and forth, which is, I don't know, pretty fun. Um so it could go really well if you're a good team player or, you know, if you're not really good at switching, it wouldn't work so well. But I'll let him go and explain the game for you. All right. So I just did the demo of MechaZoo, which I was terrible at. But um, it was a beautiful, fun game. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the game? Uh, so MechaZoo is basically a 2D platform in a vibe in 3D world. Uh, you'll have 
throughout the process of the game, you unlock five animals, and they all work as kind of as a pair or a tag team to overcome the level and obstacles. Are they always the same two paired together? Nope. Oh, wow. So, uh, so we have, like in the pack demo, you had the frog and the armadillo. Right. You'll unlock uh, wallaby, panda, and pelican. Okay. So as levels progress, the, the levels are very much made to like feature the two animals. But once you complete the game, you'll be able to go back through a lot of levels and use different pairs of animals to awesome. access different areas of the level. So it was a very fast-paced game, which was why it was hard for me, because I lost all my Twitch reflexes. But <laughs> it did remind me, in some ways, of the spinning of uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. And, oh, yeah. Um, were there other influences in the design of the game? Uh, definitely. I mean, we, most of the team all grew up on platformers, so we all played NES, SNES, and Sega. So. I mean, there's Sonic, Donkey Kong Country, Metroid. So you unlock the animals by killing the boss, and then you get their power. So that's very Mega Man-y. I mean, right. it's basically, we wear our influences on our sleeve very much in this game. Very cool. And we just wanted to kind of bring them all together and make the platformer of our dreams, more or less. Right on. Yeah. Um, I also liked that it wasn't just straight, straight side-scrolling. There was a lot of twists and turns and angles and ups and downs. Oh, yeah. Um, so I liked the verticality and the... the the colors were amazing too. Um, would you say this game is marketed towards um, the nostalgic gamer or toward new generation of gamer or both? Or? I mean, I definitely say both, and it's all ages. I mean, there haven't been a whole lot of platformers out in the past couple of years. It's been so we're we're trying to get the new generation very much back into the platformers, and it's also for avid gamers who love platforming, speedruns, everything. So. It's challenging enough where avid gamers will love it, and it, it won't be too easy for them, but it's also accessible enough for kids to play. And with the multiplayer mode that we launched as PAX, parents and kids can play together, kids, like brother and sisters can play together, so... Yeah, the multiplayer aspect was really unique. Why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Uh, so, the multiplayer that we unleashed, uh, that we announced at PAX, was a steel mechanic. So one player controls one of the animals, the other player controls the second animal that's an idol, and you steal back control of each animal. So player two would steal control from player one to access the point, the parts that that animal would be best at. So it's really much kind of like a hive brain mechanic where you both have to be in sync with one another or else it's going to be chaos. Definitely. <laughs> Saw a little bit of that. Um, how many stages are there? So there's going to be five worlds, and within each world there's probably around four to five levels, plus challenge levels and boss levels. So You talked a little bit about um, finding things that would help you buy other items. Yeah. Um, so what will those items do for you in the game? Uh, it's basically just for a so like customizable kind of experience. So you can buy, like you can change the skin colors and okay. everything like that. So we're still working on the finer details of what, what all we want to include in that. But that, we had a lot of people ask for like customizable skins, so they can make their animals more reflection of that. And uh, what platforms will make a zoo be coming out? Uh, it'll be coming out on all major consoles, so Xbox One, PlayStation, or Wii U, and PC. Do you have a, a launch window? Uh, we're looking at early 2016. Great. Um, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about Megazoo? All right. Thank okay. you very much for your time. Thank you. So yeah, um, very colorful game. Um, I've got an article on Button Smashers about it. Um, I compared it to <coughs> kind of the Saturday morning cartoon experience where you you know eat a bunch of sugary cereal and then play 
Sonic the Hedgehog, and I don't know. It, it definitely had that vibe for me. Um, the next game I played was Assault and Android Cactus, um, and I got to actually talk to um, at least one of the developers from a three-man team from Australia, and this game was a lot of fun. Um, I It's a twin-stick shooter. It's a bullet hell. There's, like, bullets everywhere. Instead of a life bar, you have, um, like, a battery, kind because you're an Android. Um, and there's 25 stages. There's five stages well, five areas, and within each five area, there's four stages, then a boss battle. And the um, areas will dynamically change. Like, sometimes it'll, it'll go dark. There's tons of enemies pouring at you. There's eight different characters you can play who are all um, female androids. And um, it's kind of weird to say, but I really liked that the females in this game were tastely, and they were kick-ass and awesome, but they weren't, like, over-sexualized. So I would have no problem playing this game with my daughter which I plan to do because it was a lot of fun, and it'd be even more fun playing with someone. If you play with more people, it just adds more robots for you to shoot. But, um, yeah, this is a game I want to play more of. Um, Android, or Assault Android Cactus. Nice. So, Sweet. that kind of brings us to another coverage. That is the end of PAX Prime 2015, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a long mm-hmm. one. Filled with PAX Pox and all. Yeah, poor uh, Zach, he's exhausted. <laughs> I'm not feeling the best right now, but uh, I'm here nonetheless, so it was an awesome PAX. Uh, I would have to <clears throat> agree with a lot of the other coverage of PAX people that have covered PAX this year and agree that uh, PAX definitely seems to be the place where the indies are starting to shine. Um, I know that's where they started, but it seems like last year the emphasis was really on AAA titles. I think the difference is, is there's... There's independent titles that I'm genuinely excited about. Um, if you guys get a chance to see MechaZoo or Assault Android Cactus, you'll see some very fun-looking games, or even butt-sniffing pu- butt-smithing pugs. Um, it might not or call the Starseed. Yeah, absolutely. Or Hob, whenever that comes out, will be. Or or if you're willing to be really emotional, that Dragon Cancer. I think you owe it to yourself to experience that. I think you do too. Um, so we didn't really talk about it, but Sunday was the day that we saw the movie that we talked about last week. So, yeah, we uh, saw that, and that's the day that I actually went and played it. I forgot to mention that, but I talked about it last week. So. Right. But. So we should leave you with a question. Uh, so. Yes. We do have a question this week for you guys, and w- that question this week, guys, was or is, what was your favorite part about our Pax Prime coverage? Let me put a slight spin on it. After hearing our PAX Prime coverage, what game are you most interested in that you weren't before? Okay, that's a better one. Why don't we uh, Why don't we switch the question up? After hearing our PAX Prime coverage, guys, what is the game you are most excited for? So, until next time. Until next time. Yep, that's right, guys. Yep, yep, yep. I remember so, now. These PAX Pock beavers. Zach needs to get to bed, so I'm going to help him out a little bit. I'm I'm sweating I'm not to death over steal, here. I'm not gonna steal your line, but I'm gonna push you toward it. Alright, so don't forget to check us out on Facebook.com forward slash plug and play show. Check us out and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher so that you guys don't see a bum peeing in the corner. I don't want that. Um Yep, you don't want that. You guys can get some more of that awesome break time music if you guys uh, like us and rate us on iTunes and Stitcher. Head over to youtube.com, check us out, plug and play uh sh- Plug and Play Podcast, I believe it is on there, or Plug and Play Show, both of them pop us Follow up. Follow the link on our... Uh... Follow the link on the buttonsmashers.com where you guys can check out all of our articles um, that are still being released daily on our PAX Prime coverage. 
You guys can also follow Q and Roger over there and read up on some articles. And Jorge is doing some amazing videos along with Jess. Um, if you guys like this podcast, you guys are more than likely going to like the Button Smashers podcast, which is hosted by Q and Roger, which we just made their new awesome intro for. And there's Hopelessly Animatic. They're posting every once in a while some uh, hopelessly romantic anime stuff where it gets all gushy and mushy. Um, and the Gaming Goddess podcast, of course. Jess, she should be on our 101st or 102nd episode by now. So, that brings us to the end of the episode, guys. Episode 58, where we wrapped up the PAX Prime special disc 2 of 2 coverage. Until next week, guys, on episode 59, where we get back to our normal routine, don't forget to prime and shine.